Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably one of the most entertaining marketing podcasts you're going to put in your ears. I'm Vin, the associate producer here at Starista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their take on the current challenges of the market, and we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, Vincent and AJ chat with Josh Anisfeld, VP of Digital Marketing at Hydric and Struggles. He talks about how his company helps with culture shaping for all sorts of organizations around the globe. AJ is off to Hawaii, and Vincent reminisces about traveling himself. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Starista's The Marketing Sir. I'm coming at you in a different way. I was having some technical difficulties. Imagine not being able to hear me. Come on, I love talking. You know that, ladies and gentlemen. The Marketing Stir, we're back at you. Very happy to be here. It's cold. It is freezing in New York, as you can tell by my flannel, if you're consuming us on YouTube. If you are listening to us, which most of you do, just use your imagination. Ladies and gentlemen, it's so good to be back. Just a few things about Starista before we start. We are a marketing technology company that focuses on identity. We have our own business-to-business data, business-to-consumer data. We help companies target that data to get new customers through maybe email marketing. We own our own DSP called Adster. We can help you target that same data or onboard your own. OTT, display, connected TV, email me, vincent at starista.com. That is how confident I am. That's enough about Starista. And then moving on to this next gentleman. We know him. We love him. I call him the San Antonio Slayer, also my CEO. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. AJ Gupta. What's up, AJ? Hey, Vincent. Looking forward to Thanksgiving coming up here and uh, a couple of days away from my vacation. So this is fun. You're, I knew you were going to go there. I knew you were going to start <laughs> talking about your vacation. Normally, I like hearing about your vacations because it's just another area in Texas that you're going to that I've never heard of, like Corpus Christi or <laughs> South Padre Island. And this year, Hawaii, ladies and gentlemen, let him hear it in the comments. <laughs> He's going to Hawaii. That's awesome. Uh, you know, how long are you going for? Uh, six days. Nice, so. nice. It's going to be great. That's, uh, you know, you're having Thanksgiving there. I am, yeah. Hawaiian brunch. We'll see what that's it. all about. Oh, I love it. The big pig roast. That would be awesome. I would love to do Thanksgiving that way. That is awesome. I We were talking about it the other day. A lot of people go to Hawaii for their honeymoon. I went to Argentina and, and Santiago, Chile. And, um, you know, I always wanted to get out there. So you have to give me some uh, pointers. You got to let me know how it is. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll uh, send you photos from the beach. It'll keep you entertained. Oh, yeah. I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were going to do that anyway. And it, it's, uh, but it's great. I'm uh, excited to be in San Antonio coming up in December. We have our second, hopefully, annual summit. It's a virtual summit, but it's going to be fun. We've got some great guests already confirmed for that. Some podcast guests, ladies and gentlemen, that you've already might have heard from. So be sure to stay tuned for that. I don't know if everyone, it's not really open to the public. So I don't know why I just said that in the marketing stir, but Hey. Actually, it is this year. Oh, it is. Look at that. It is. So, uh, you know, email me for information on it. We've got a great one today, AJ. That's why no technical difficulty was going to hold me down. We've got a guest, a VP of digital marketing. I love that title. That wasn't a title that 
was around 20 years ago, ladies and gentlemen. If it was, that was cutting edge. But VP of digital marketing, digital marketing is so important. It is so valuable to our field. That's why we wanted to get this gentleman's take. His name, Josh Anastal. But let's get to him in a moment. He is the VP of digital marketing at Hydric and Struggles. VP Digital Marketing, we're so happy to have that title on because we're always looking to learn more about that industry. Ladies and gentlemen, a warm marketing stir welcome. Josh Adesfeld, what's going on, Josh? Hey guys, how are you? Nice to be with you. It's nice to have you here. So great talking to you again. I, I'm away, you know, I'm, I'm without my headphones, I feel like I'm lost, but I'm not. I'm here. I still get to talk with my hands. That's the most important thing as an Italian-American, I think. Well, I'm sure there's other important things for Italian-Americans, but at least for me. But Josh, so great to have you here. I want to get into a few different questions right off the bat. Hydric and Struggles, talk to us about the organization I'd love to also learn about your title within the organization there. Digital marketing, that's a title now, right? It's, it's, it's common now. 20 years ago, you don't see that title. Yeah, it's, so, pretty cool, it's a pretty cool title. I have to, I have to admit it myself. It's a, it's a fun one. And, uh, you know, people always, people always be like, ooh, digital marketing. And, you know, half the people think it's super cool. Half the people think I'm on Facebook all day. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, then, and then the other half, you know, the third half of the people, including my wife, has no clue what I do whatsoever, and yeah. doesn't even doesn't even care to learn. Exactly, it's like uh, I always like explaining things. Like people say, like if you're explaining it to your mom or dad, like this is what I do. That's always the best way, also, to kind of break it down. It's like you know, I was always explaining to my mom what I did. But uh, well, so talk to us first. Let's let's get into Hydric and struggles. I'd love to talk about you know the the organization there. Um, what do you do? What is it? And then some of your day to day as far as the VP of digital marketing. Yeah, so Hydrogen Struggles, we are a professional services firm, been around for over 70 years now. Um, people consider us the pioneers of executive search. And that's really our bread and butter is placing the, the best of the best in the top positions at the best global organizations out there. Um, we've been doing this for a long time. And it's not our only business now. We consider ourselves the full suite of leadership advisory services. Um, of course, executive search is always the big one with us. Um, we have other advisory services. We do culture shaping. So working with organizations to create impactful, sustainable cultures, leadership assessment and development, digital transformation, the, the list goes on and on. We, uh, we're now into the on-demand talent space as well. So we are really out there partnering with the best organizations in the world, helping them accelerate uh, to become powerful and sustainable and successful. As far as what I do, listen, digital touches everything these days. It, 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 there's not a part that, that digital doesn't touch. And I work with, uh, across our organization, um, from the brand perspective, across our practices, corporate channels, our corporate teams, such as human resources and talent acquisition, all the way down to the consultant level. And my team oversees social media, our strategy and our execution, email marketing, website, SEO, paid media, paid social, analytics. Uh, that, that's just our foundational stuff that we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, we work in, our, in the campaign space as well. We're doing 
you know, I, I put a heavy hand in marketing automation, lead scoring, lead grading, marketing technology implementation, um, you know, just a few things going on during the day. Uh, there, there, there are not enough hands, there are not enough people, there are not enough hours in the day to, to tackle what I need to tackle on a regular basis. Um, but it's fantastic. I love it. That's awesome. And, and so, so much more than just being on Facebook, right? As, uh, oh my that's, God. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. And Josh, tell us how you got into marketing. That's a staple question that we ask here on the Marketing Stir. A lot of people's paths, not so traditional. So love to hear about your path. Uh, yeah, I have a, I have, I have an interesting one. I'm not, not tooting my own horn, but it, it, it's quite an interesting path. Um, you know, I, I have a marketing major and my very first job out of college was pretty traditional. I went into an advertising agency as a, uh, a media coordinator, which was essentially taking uh, paper insertion orders and stamping them approved and stuff. And that it didn't last long because uh, I saw I saw something else out there happening. My my brother at the time was a stock trader. Um, this was the, the late '90s, um, and he he invited me over for lunch one day, and I'd seen that he had made more in the morning than I make in a year, and decided to to, to follow him in that. So I started working as a stock trader for for a couple of years, and you know. I wasn't any good at it. So that, that ended pretty quickly. And what I ended up doing, I decided to follow my passion at the time, which was television, film, entertainment. I ended up as a reality TV producer uh, one way or another. I started working as, you know, working as a production assistant on some, on some movies here in Chicago. Um, and one day I just decided, you know what? I'm going to go for it. I picked up, packed up my car, moved out to Los Angeles with no place to live, no, play, no work. Um, by the second day I was out there, I had a job uh, as a production assistant on a reality show, and I ended up spending the next few years working at E Entertainment, uh, producing some really fun reality shows out there, doing some some uh, doing some casting for shows like Wife Swap, uh, and you know it came time to you know I just felt it was time for me to come back home to Chicago. I started having nieces and nephews, didn't want to be away from that, and. Found a job here in Chicago working at a television production company, and I was doing uh, television development. One of the projects that we did was a mobile show. You know, back in the day, all the all the different mobile carriers had their own platforms, and so we started working with Ver I think it was called Verizon on Deck back at the time, and we were creating a um, a very small little mobile show uh, with this one comedian and. I started seeing that digital was sort of the way of the future when it came to content. Um, the company I was working with didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to do it. They didn't want to have anything involved in it. And so I started looking elsewhere and that took me to my first real marketing job, which was Playboy. Um, you know, it, it was a huge company in Chicago, obviously, you know, born and bred in Chicago. And they hired me to come on and work as their, I don't remember the title at the time. It was something about mobile programming uh, and content development, it, fun job. It, it was fun. Um, it unfortunately did not last long because the it was right around the time when the company sort of took a nosedive. The 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 CEO stepped down. They shuttered the Chicago offices. Um, it was a a short but fun eight months at Playboy, but it really gave me my step into the world where I am now. So I went directly into Edelman. Uh, obviously, most people heard of Edelman Public Relations. I was hired into Edelman Mobile at the time, which was a mobile marketing arm of Edelman. Um, over the course of the next year or two, they integrated mobile into the rest of digital. So I started working with Edelman Digital. 
And then from there, made my way through a couple agencies uh, such as Critical Mass, uh, Golan Harris, which is now just Golan, uh, Zeno Group. And about six years ago, I decided I'm going to take that step out of the agency world, try to get into uh, go in house. And here I am at Hydric and Struggles. And uh, so that was a very long story, not made short. Josh, it's the first time we've had somebody who's uh, worked at Playboy. So even though it was short, it'll be memorable for us. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, kind of tell us a little bit about your current marketing stack. You know, what are some of the uh, software or technologies that you're personally a big fan of? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, our marketing tech stack is something that I, I really put a lot of work into myself, my team, um, and our IT team has been a huge part of that as well. You know, when I first came to Hydrogen Struggles, you know, we didn't have much of a marketing tech stack. We had we had a website that was built on Sitecore, we had a LinkedIn page, and we had um, we were using Eloqua at the time um, for email marketing. And but that was that was the extent of it. You know, over the course of the past number of years. You know, we've started really thinking more about um, marketing technology that's going to be of value to us, that's going to help us scale our work, and that's also going to integrate fairly easily. Um, we still focus our CMS around Sitecore. Um, in fact, we just built a beautiful brand new website that we launched in, in May. I spent the past year and a half working on this project with an unbelievable team, um, both in-house and our agency team. Um, little, little shout out to One North in Chicago. They did a great job with our website. And um, so we're still focused on that. We're also a Salesforce company. So our larger CMS, um, our, our larger CRM is, uh, is Salesforce. Um, and so we got rid of Eloquent. We actually started utilizing Pardot for email marketing, automation, and all that. So we're, we put a huge amount of work into Pardot. Um, we started, to, and I know we'll probably talk about the, you know, the pandemic, but the pandemic really, you know, upped our game in webinar as well. And so we started working with a platform called On24, um, which, my opinion, one of the best webinar platforms out there. And sorry, I don't know if you guys do webinars or what, but, um, you know, we, we, they, they do a really nice job for us. And so we utilize them for our webinar business, um, not to mention that we have a, a, new, um, a new platform that we work with them, which is more on-demand content as well. Um, we're using Brightco for video. Um, you know, we're, we're all over the place. You know, we're even, you know, you know, we, we even use a, a great platform called um, Simpler for our intranet. And, you know, we just got, you know, we just, we're putting a lot more focus into our employee advocacy as well. And we'd been using, um, you know, one of the great programs that I helped launch a number of years ago was our employee advocacy program. And we were using a platform called LinkedIn Elevate at the time, which was a LinkedIn tool. Um, LinkedIn decided to shut down that, that service of theirs and that platform. So we've recently moved over to Sprout Social. So we use Sprout now for employee advocacy and uh, their Bamboo platform for employee advocacy. And we're using that, you know, we're using Sprout for social media publishing and social listening. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're sort of all over the place. That's great, Josh. Uh, you know, on your LinkedIn, you mentioned uh, being a disruptive marketer. You know, what does disruptive marketing mean to you and what makes uh, marketing disruptive? Great question. Um, you know, to me, it, it's not complicated to define what disruptive marketing is. It is. It's being the first to do something that people just haven't seen before. It's, it's eliciting some sort of emotion or connection with people so that you sort of disrupt them. You know, people, we're in all of us, we're inundated with information, content, 
campaigns. And it takes something really special to break through all of that, to capture somebody's attention and get them to want to take an action. And it's not one size fits all. What's disruptive to me might not be disruptive to you or to the next guy over there and vice versa. So, you know, when you look at disruptive marketing, you know, it changes on a daily basis. I mean, think about back to 2013, um, you know, if you ask anybody, you know, about real-time marketing, they're going to bring up the whole Oreo thing at the Super Bowl, the blackout, the blackout Oreo thing. It was, it was disruptive in that moment and at that time. And it got a lot of attention for Oreo and a lot of attention about around social media. And the problem though, is that everyone wanted to jump onto that. And every brand started trying to be disruptive by, by doing the same thing, by doing real-time marketing. Um, it worked for some people. It didn't work for others. You know, I remember when, when the movie Sharknado came out, um, there was a, there, it was, it was, I believe the, the most number, the number one trending, uh, Twitter conversation, like ever, there was more talk on Twitter on Sharknado because they were doing real-time marketing around it by the next year. It wasn't so disruptive anymore. Every brand was doing it. It was almost expected. And when something's expected, it's not so disruptive anymore. So to me, being a disruptive marketer, it's constantly ideating, coming up with new ideas, taking chances. It's just, it's not sitting by the sidelines waiting to copy what other people are doing um, just because it was successful for them, because by then it's not, it, it's not disruptive anymore. And I, I want to continue with that, Josh, because of your experience in, in marketing and what you just said. Advice for people, how does one become proactive in marketing as opposed to reactive? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's easier said than done. It really is. You know, we we see that on our end. Um, a lot of it has to do with your resources and and the you know your your current needs. You know, we're a really small marketing team comparatively. We're powerful. We do amazing work. But you know, I think we're only about a thirteen or fourteen person global marketing team serving an organization of. 23, 2400 people. So we are inundated with requests of people needing things. So it's always a great question. How can we get ahead of that eight ball? Be more proactive um, with our marketing. And it, uh, it requires the time, it requires the resources. But to me, the best way to be proactive is through insights. If you have a team that is out there keeping your pulse on the industry, on your customers, on your clients, what is going on in their world, not necessarily specifically their business, which is important too, but if you have a pulse on their world and you could start to be a bit more forward thinking on what is going to impact you tomorrow, the next day or the next year, it gives you that time to, to, to think a little bit and how can we get ahead of this versus something in the industry is blowing up right now. We should probably create a piece of content around it because there was a huge conversation yesterday. That's being reactive. But if you can start to, you know, kind of look into that, into that uh, crystal ball a little bit and use those insights, the data, the trends, you know, like I said, we are inundated with information. There's no lack of it out there. You just have to find the right information, see what's happening and, and try to think about how can you disrupt this and sort of just get, get in front of it before it's really impacting your clients so that they know that you're already there. And, and you also mentioned, Josh, that you had to, you mentioned some great tech stacks there, Salesforce, Pardot, we use those ourselves on 24, show them some love. I know they're doing great things. I, I actually, I attended their webinar world conference one time. 
I wanted to talk about webinars because we had a lot of people on the podcast say that webinars and thought leadership really helped their clients and also helped themselves with getting more interest in their companies, right? I have some people who are like, well, we used to do a webinar. We had 43 people. Um, you know, during the pandemic, we had 500. We had to get a whole new platform, I think, because there was that thirst for thought leadership. Talk to me about some of the tactics you took, webinar being one of them, what advice out there, but also how you had to market differently during the pandemic, what you did and what succeeded. Yeah, it's a, that's a, all, all great questions. You know, listen, I, I'm a big fan of webinars. I think they're they're incredibly powerful tools for a number of reasons, both from, um, you know, awareness of your company, um, awareness of the employees in your company, um, building the relationships. And, and listen, there's no there's no black and white way of doing a webinar. You know, we've done webinars where we actually do do co-created presentations with clients. Um, so that's more of a co-creation type webinar where you're giving a, you know, showing us showing a slide deck or whatever it might be, and you're each taking a part in it. And we've done the more roundtable type stuff, the interview type stuff. Um, you know, to me, the 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 most important thing in a webinar is that the the end viewer is going to learn something from that that they are not going to get elsewhere. Um, and that could be a number of things. It could be that they're actually, you know, learning a strategy, learning about a specific case study about a company, or it might be that they're just interested in the, in the, uh, in, in the guests and, and, you know, don't ever discount quality talent and quality guests. You know, we have had, um, you know, we did an incredible webinar with, uh, the chief digital officer of Albertson's companies. And, you know, not only were they discussing some fantastic case study work and, you know, stuff about digital transformation, but, you know, that's a big name in a big company and people want to know what are those companies doing. Um, so, you know, there's that whole element of it, but then, you know, there's also the, the, the lead generation component of a webinar. It is direct lead generation. What I love so much about the platform we use and about webinars in general is that the data that you get from these is so unbelievable now that it's so granular. And this is my this is my big selling point across my organization. Not only are we going to pull a list of three, 500 people who have registered for the webinar, but we're gonna be able to tell you how long did that person stay on for? If we're doing a poll, what did every single person answer in that poll? If we're going to ask questions, what did every single person ask and answer in those questions? For people out there, for the marketers, we're not just doing that to keep people on the line for 30 minutes or an hour. We're doing that because at the end of the day, we're going to segment our outreach and our business development uh, post-event communications based off of what those people have done. We're going to look for our high priority people, the CEOs, the CHROs, and we're going to say, okay, did they ask a question that we didn't get to answer? No. Well, let's do a personal outreach them. Let's answer their question. You know, let's let's send them a piece of content that is right aligned with how they answered a polling question, or you know, a piece of content that they already downloaded. It's it's about segmentation. It's about personalization. Uh, for me, it's about being able to get that data and reach out to them at the same time. We're now able to have an on-demand piece of content that it's the gift that keeps on giving. You know, we, you, if you look on our website and you go into our insight section, you're going to see a whole section there for our on-demand webinars. You know, 
great assets for people, but guess what? They still have to fill out a form to, to watch that webinar. It's, it's, it's passive lead generation for us. Um, so that, that's incredibly important. Um, you know, to answer your other question about the pandemic, everything shifted. And yeah, webinars straight through the roof. You know, I'll be frank, I, I had a hard time getting our consultants to participate in webinars before the pandemic because it's time consuming. Of course it is. You know, it takes time for our consultants to create those presentations and to help us find the talent. And I get it. It's a lot of work. But then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and I couldn't, I couldn't work enough hours in the day to get these webinars going. And they were amazing. They were fantastic. Um, and yeah, you're right. Before where we were getting maybe like 100, 200 registrants, all of a sudden we were getting five, 600. One of ours, we even got almost 1,200 registrants for a webinar that we were doing. It was amazing. Beyond the webinars though, where we had to really put some focus and pause was showing our clients that we can still partner with them and drive success virtually. It's a big question that people ask, how do you hire in a virtual, in a virtual world? You know, a company, you know, how do you hire a CEO that you've never met in person? It's a, it's a great question. And we put all, for a while there, we put all of our focus on that, on all of our content creation, all, you know, everything that we were putting online in social was about how do we show people that this can all be done virtually? We created new assets, new thought leadership all around this. And, you know, it really just shifted the whole dynamic of what we were doing. But at the same time, you know, it felt wrong to kind of go along as business as usual um, when there needed to be more focused on the immediate. But over time, we started to seeing that people were kind of getting sick of seeing every single thing in their feed being about the pandemic. It was like pandemic, uh, you know, just it was it was too much about pandemic and too much about virtual work and all that. And so we kind of had to refocus again on how do we stay in tune with what's going on right now, but at the same time, not be a, a, a one note pony here and not just talk about the pandemic, but how do we start to bring that value back again and still talk about things that are still impacting our clients that are not necessarily pandemic related? Yeah, we have found our podcast also to be quite effective during this time where there's less travel and less chances to interact with clients and prospects. And uh, the, the podcast has been kind of similar uh, space for us as the uh, webinars have been for so, you. Us too. Big plug for the Hydric and Struggles Leadership, uh, Leadership Podcast. Go check us out. Absolutely. So, Josh, you've been at the company for about six years now. What's been a highlight for you? I'm sure there's quite a few, but is there a moment or project that really stands out for you? Yeah, there's a lot of projects that stand out for me. Um, listen, I said it before, I, I'm so proud of this website that we just launched. This was, you know, this was a big deal for us. You know, when I, when I came into, uh, when I came into Hydric and Struggles, like I said, we had a website, we had a LinkedIn page with like, I think there were 10, 10 or 20,000 followers at the time. Over the course of the number of years, our website just started, you know, we, we fell into the trap that a lot of people fall into, you know, we just started putting band-aids over things that weren't working and, you know, a company like ours where we have, you know, sort of different, different services that sort of are, uh, all have their own, uh, their own thing going, we, we have a lot of, uh, a lot of people to answer to and the answer was not always what I wanted it to be, which was, you know, let's, let's do this right. And let's do this well, but we had to just, we had to find solutions. We had to be nimble about these things. Um, you know, 
couple of years ago, we finally got the, you know, the buy-in, the budget to move forward with a new website project. It was an unbelievable experience for, in every way, um, you know, building the internal stakeholder teams around it, doing the, doing the discovery work, even vetting the right agency partner. Um, and then what we found was that we needed to start, use this as a way to start reinventing ourselves. Um, brand new look and feel for the company. And we use the website project as the beginning of that. And it's starting to take off now. Um, you know, we, we have now taken our new look and feel and spread that into our email marketing, into our social media, uh, into our charts and graphs, um, into our thought leadership. Everything is starting to move towards this new look and feel. And I'm really, really proud of that because, you know, I, I helped, I helped be, I helped be part of that. Um, and there are a lot of people in our organization that I can't thank enough for helping push this forward and we continue to push that forward. So yeah, very, very proud of that. Like I said before, my the other project that I was so proud of was our employee advocacy program. You know, we did a research project with LinkedIn. You know, I have a great relationship with the folks over at LinkedIn, really, really helpful people. Um, and we did a project with them to see who in our organization was sharing content and who was sharing our content. The numbers were staggering. You know, we realized that, you know, a very small percentage of people in our organization were even sharing on social media and even smaller were sharing our own content. And so we started asking, you know, why, why? what's going on here? And the answers we got were people didn't have time. People didn't know where to find good content. People didn't think that the content they saw was relevant. And the, the answer was so obvious, utilizing an employee advocacy platform. Like at the time it was LinkedIn Elevate. And we started rolling this out and it took off like wildfire. All of a sudden we had, um, I think it was 60% of the company was opted in for this. We were seeing our, our thought leadership numbers were just going sky high because people were starting to share it. We started getting, uh, you know, essentially our own internal influencers in, in this, you know, people who were sharing hundreds and hundreds of times a month and being able to show the, the benefit of it and say, you know what, I'm getting more conversations with clients now because they're seeing me on social media. So I was really proud of that project as well. I'm going to have to look into this myself, Josh. We are trying to do the same thing, get more people to start sharing content. So, <laughs> uh, so one of the things, you know, the company has been around for a long time. Uh, you guys have obviously redone the website, a lot of exciting things happening. Is there any big company news coming up that you can share going into 2022? Um, yeah, I'm not going to go there, but what I will, <laughs> um, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, stuff that we can't talk about yet. Sure. There's a lot of great stuff coming in 2022, I'll tell you that. Um, you know, one of the things, though, that I, I think that is really important to note, probably the biggest announcement that we made this past year was our acquisition of a company called Business Talent Group. And Business Talent Group is one of the, the largest, most preeminent um, marketplaces for on-demand talent. And we realized that a lot of our clients were having a need for on-demand talent, people that could come in and fill a certain talent hole that they had at that moment. Maybe that they didn't need to hire someone permanently for it, but there was a, a, a more temporary role that they needed to fill at that moment, whether it be, you know, a chief marketing officer or a human resources executive or, or someone like that, that they needed to come in and, and do some work, you know, maybe as someone who come in and, and put some focus on digital transformation. We had been working with BTG for a number of years as partners with them, and we decided to acquire them um, about, 
I don't even know, I think it was April that we made that acquisition. And it was very, very natural. And to, to this day, you know, it's an incredibly natural, seamless uh, addition to the Hydrogen Struggles um, service line. So now we, you know, we like to say now that, you know, we're sort of the only uh, leadership advisory firm that offers this type of service. You know, the companies that we're working with, they have this demand for speed, agility, and flexibility, and they need to close those talent gaps. And it requires sometimes not so much the long-term permanent placement that take, can take a little while to find that right fit, but they need a quick high level placement on a temporary but immediate basis. And we're now able to offer that to them. Um, so that was a very, very big piece of news for us. But yeah, lots to come in 2022. Uh, maybe I'll come back later next year and share some of the stuff with you. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Josh, uh, uh, one more business related question before we wrap up and get into some of the personal side. We love to do that here at the Marketing Stir. It's not all business, right? But talk to us, Josh, you mentioned employee advocacy quite a bit, right? And can you just comment on the importance of that and how, you know, companies should really begin to inject that if they haven't into their everyday life, work? It's, it's so important. I mean, your employees should be your best advocates. If your employees are not your best advocates, you need to put some focus on that culture because you know your employees should be proud to work with you. They should be the ones that are helping out there, utilize them as a megaphone, really. And, and that's what we try to do. I mean, if you think about our business specifically, we're a consultant-based business. Our consultants have these amazing relationships. And I always say, the people we are trying to reach are sitting in our consultants' social networks. You know, we have a great marketing database, but you know, if you look, if you compile, and we've done this, if you compile all the numbers of all the first-degree connections that our consultants have, it eclipses our corporate following by 12-fold. And we need to reach those people. And the best way to do that is by giving your employees. The, the content to share and the ways to share it in an easy, easy way. And it's not just thought leadership. It is showcasing uh, your internal culture. It is showcasing firm news. Like when we made the acquisition of BTG, it was really, really important that not only did we share that on, in social media from the Hydrogen Struggles perspective, and trust me, we did, but getting our 2000 employees to also share that, that information as well. And that's what's so, so, so important because when you look at these numbers, it's, it's, it's crazy. We have, we have one person in our company. Um, I, I love this guy. He's, uh, you know, he's one of our partners in charge of one of our offices and he loves social media. Um, <laughs> it's impossible to keep up with this guy. He shares, I think it's like a, over a thousand pieces of content a month. Oh, wow. It, it's insane. Um, but when you look at the reach, the potential reach that this guy is getting, it's like in the millions. And listen, I, I never tell anybody to go that far, but you know, uh, somebody who is truly participating in an employee advocacy program, you can expect that that person is probably going to reach a number of hundred of thousand people per month based off of who, what they're sharing, who they're sharing to, and then the virility of that, that sharing as well. You know, other people hitting that share button and the comments and the like button as well. Mm -hmm. It's super important for the organization, but it's even more important, especially in a business like mine where consultants are doing their own business development. It keeps you with an ongoing drumbeat of visibility in the social media world. It shows that you are 
bringing information to people, relevant information, and you are, you are showcasing insights and thought leadership and that you will be top of mind when they say, you know what, I need to speak to someone about digital transformation. I see this person online constantly sharing this stuff. They're probably an expert. So you hit this from both sides. You are, you are benefiting the business and you are benefiting yourself because of social, your, your personal social brand is everything these days. It's incredibly important no matter what business you're in. I, I love hearing that. And, you know, uh, AJ and, and myself, we, we're, we're, we try to be big on social media, just not even big, just really just get some messages out, relevant content. And as AJ mentioned, as our CEO, he, he's trying to advocate for that, for other people to do that. We do put a, quite a bit out there, but it's good to hear you reinforce it. So that, that is great. Let's stay on social media because our next question is a staple question, Josh, that we ask every single one of our guests approaching, uh, you know, a hundred episodes now. Uh, LinkedIn, you're a nice guy, so I would I would be really curious to hear your answer. So, LinkedIn, your the size of your company, your title alone, I'm sure you get a lot of solicitations. What is a message on LinkedIn that resonates with you? That you know what I'll take this meeting or I'll, or I'll talk to this person. And what is one that you just hate is a pet peeve of yours? It's our LinkedIn question. You guys, listen, I, I I don't know how this is going to make me sound, but you offered me some free food. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That is the first. That's the first stage. Honestly, I, I get I get I get crazy offers to take meetings with people. You know, I I've gotten DoorDash gift cards to take a meeting. You got it. You know, I've gotten, I've gotten boxes. I, I think the most recent one, I got this amazing. Someone sent me this. It wasn't on LinkedIn, of course, but they sent me a. I don't know how they got my address at home. That was a little creepy, but uh, they sent me a, a a box of these amazing brownies. I'm like, okay, fine. I'm gonna take that meeting. That's you know, awesome. food. You know, I, I'm Jewish. We love our food. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, listen, I I kind of I know who I want to speak to, and I know who I don't. I'm not gonna just take a meeting because they're giving me free stuff. Um, but at the same time, I can't take every meeting that every vendor in the world wants to have with me. If there's really just no place for me to, to utilize your services and your platforms, it's not gonna work. What, what really drives me crazy are the, you know, the, the LinkedIn messages from people who are offering me the services that our company already offers. Um, and I get those constantly, you know, can we help you with your executive search? kind of what we do. Um, yeah. you know, can, can we help you with your, with your email marketing? Kind of got it covered already. You know, people need to do their research into what you do and, yeah. and you know, see if there's even a right fit. Um, I love a good technology. I love the new shiny, the, the new shiny coins and there's new shiny toys out there. Mm -hmm. You know, I like seeing that stuff. You know, if you, if you have a, if you have an innovative new platform and you want to show it to me for 30 minutes and it, you know, it's in line with the, you know, my needs of my mar my marketing technology. Yeah. I'll, I'll usually take a look at it because it never hurts me to look at a new platform and a new technology. It only helps me actually. Um, and I like that type of stuff. You know, the other things that drive me crazy, I'll tell you right this right now, I, this is constant. And this is more over email than anything is, you know what? Someone wants to send me a cold email. That's fine. That's good. If I don't respond, sure. Give it another, give it one more shot. Go for it. After two attempts, stop hitting me up every other day saying, 
you know, oh, I guess you didn't see my email or, yeah. oh, maybe this got lost in the shuffle. All right. After five, six times, they're trying, you know, I'm not responding. Get the hint here. Try, try, try a different approach, maybe like, you know, send me a piece of interesting thought leadership that maybe I'll open or, uh, you know, send me a box of brownies or something. But in all seriousness, <laughs> you know, stop, <laughs> just stop after a few cold emails that I'm not responding to. And then I'll tell you my other biggest pet peeve, I hate this, is somebody connects with me on LinkedIn. Okay, fine. If I connect with them, I hate auto replies from connecting. Hate them. They seem so insincere to me. Um, and it's so obvious they're auto replies because the second I hit connect, I get that email, that email back again. You know, it's, I, I just, it, I'm not a fan of that. It's a personal pet peeve of mine. Yeah. That that is uh, a lot of firsts there. I love the food angle. I'm Italian. I love food too. So if anyone wants my attention out there, send me some food. But I also love my other pet peeve is the same thing you said, Josh. Is like the auto. As soon as I, if I'm duped into connecting with you because we have mutual connections, and you auto send me something, that is my biggest pet peeve. But with just a minute or so left, what do you enjoy doing in your spare time? Uh, listen, I, I I'm you know. I always say digital marketing is my job. Being a dad's my career. You know, I've got two amazing, amazing kids at home, uh, an 11-year-old boy, seven-year-old daughter, and, you know, they're, they're my life. Um, you know, I just, I, I love spending as much time with them as I can and, you know, taking them out and doing stuff. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm really, really big. I'm a big advocate of uh, dad's rights, um, you know, in the workplace and dad equality in the workplace. Um, so you'll always see me posting stuff about that as well. I think it's really important. And, you know, my father loved him to death. He owned his own company. When I was growing up, he was never around that, you know, that was life he chose. He was trying to build a future for us. And I have a lot of respect for that, but it was important to me when I had kids to be around. And I work for a company that, uh, that truly appreciates that and gives me all the flexibility in the world to, to be a, a present dad. And um, nothing, no amount of money, or benefits can make up for that because that's the most important thing to me in an organization. Um, and besides that, you know, average Chicago Bulls fan. We're going to the finals this year. I think uh, so. I'm a Bulls, Bulls fan too. Doing it. We're back. Yeah. So huge, huge Bulls fan. And uh, yeah, that's me. That, that's amazing. I too am a Bulls fan, even though I grew up Ooh. in New York City. So uh, I don't know if we bonded over that yet, but we will. I love that they're back where they're like they nine and 10 and three right now. That is awesome, Josh. I love being a dad myself. I have two boys. I love hearing that. But we mostly love hearing from you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Marketing Stir Podcast. That is Josh Ennisfeld, Hydric and Struggles, VP of Digital Marketing. This has been the Marketing Stir. I'm Vincent. That's AJ. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.